like to call this meeting to order. Uh, first, by way of introduction, my name is Alex Hackman, so excited to be here this evening. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to all the members of the commission. So I thought we'd start off with uh, line item number two here, introduction of new commission members. Right, so we have three new commission members tonight. Welcome, and first of all, a big thank you on our part for for you taking the time and being willing to serve on our commission. We, we very much appreciate that. We're gonna go through some introductions and then just a very brief orientation to what the commission does and some very basic things such as that. There's three new commission members. That means we have three fairly long-term members that, yeah. that exited at the end of November, including our chair. So Alex is our vice chair. And I think it's the first meeting that you you've got to run is second. Second. Okay. So I had a pinch hit one time. Let's see if it so perhaps what we'll do first is the, the returning commission members. If you want to just give us a little outline about yourself, um, how long you've been on commission, maybe why you decided to be on commission, those kind of things would be great. Alex Hackman, so been in the area for over 10 years now. So I just love Iowa City Parks. So I'm a big lover of nature in general. And so I wanted to get involved a bit more in the community. So uh, my wife and four daughters, Love to get outside and play. Uh, specifically, I really enjoy to fish and birding and kayaking, and when there's enough snow, cross-country skiing as well. So, I also have the opportunity to serve on the tree advisory uh, commission as well, our board. So, and uh, grateful for the chance to be a part of that, to contribute and to learn. So, I've learned a lot and gained a greater appreciation uh, for the parks and all the there is to offer, which has uh, been beneficial for me and those that I come in contact with as well. So very humbled by the opportunity and grateful uh, to be a part of this commission as well. Enjoy serving with all the wonderful staff as well. And I've uh, just come to greatly appreciate all the hard work that they do. So uh, pleasure to be here this evening. Maybe we'll continue around this way. All right, Melissa Sarenda. I think I've been on the commission since 2020, 2020. Um, I've lived in the area for about 20 years. I live on the south side of Iowa City, so the reason I got involved or wanted to get involved with the Parks and Recreation Commission was that I'm a big fan of the Sycamore Greenway out that way, the trail and the parks in that area, so I just kind of incessantly love to share and advocate for our natural areas, specifically the Greenway, but also everywhere in the town. And so, yeah, just to echo Alex, I, I love working with all of the, the staff of the city and helping to engage the rest of the community with the parks that we all love so much. I'm Missy Forbes. Um, I'm a lifelong Iowa City resident and um, I was interested in serving on the Parks and Rec Commission kind of through my job. Um, I work at Four Seas. I'm the executive director and we work a lot with um, equity and accessibility and so I think that there's, um, you know, a lot of that kind of plays into, you know, how our parks and rec kind of conserve um, that lesser community, but I also have like uh, great memories of the parks and um, when I was a kid and my kids, uh, when I, well when I was young, we used the rec center and the recreational stuff as well as great memories of doing that with my children, so I'm happy to serve and learn more about what actually parks and rec does, because it's not just parks and rec, it's the cemetery and all that good stuff too, so um, anyway, thank you for having me. My name is Boniface uh, Panagio, and I've been in uh, Iowa City since 2019, and I've been in the commission since 2020 as well. Uh, what really drew me to the commission was the, the fields that they have around uh, uh, 
uh, Iowa City here to have a lot of soccer fields that uh, that are not being used by the community. So, and I'm really interested, uh, really interested, a big fan of uh, the soccer area. So I'm a referee at a, uh, is that, uh, is that a, a referee at a, is a soccer field in in, uh, in Iowa City. So I'm really a big fan of that, and I'm just really interested in that. That's why. I, I'm Chris Odenek. I am been on the commission since I guess a little over a year. I moved to Iowa City in the summer of 2020. I am on the faculty at the law school at the university. In my areas uh, is real estate uh, planning and development. I practice in that area. Um, I'm a big fan of our park system, particularly Hickory Hill, which I am a frequent visitor, and my dog. Um, and when I moved here. Um, Becoming such a uh, being had such affinity for the parks, uh, particularly during COVID, and I've been on public boards before uh, in Louisiana, where I came from. I was on their parks foundation board, and for a while I chaired the housing authority. So I've always had a little itch for public service in the volunteer kind of elected way, and so that's what brought me here. Um, my name is Michelle Wiegand, and I am uh, new commission member. Um, and my background is in outdoor education and social work, so I have a real interest in um, accessibility and um, equal, you know, environmental justice, making sure that everyone has equal access to green spaces, but I also really believe in the mental health and physical health benefits of getting outdoors. I'm also a big outdoors person. I have two kids, two daughters, a four-month-old and a five-year-old. We love to be outside. And um, I'm originally from Iowa City, but I just moved back here from St. Louis, where I was working in outdoor education at Audubon. Um, and so I'm just really like, my, I now took a job at the university, I'm doing more outreach um, around other topics. And so this is my way to like get back to working outdoors and you know, hopefully to contribute to the awesome park system in, in Iowa City. Okay, thanks. Uh, Ryan Morelli, I also, this will be my first meeting. Um, I have been in Iowa City for about 20 years and really have uh, spent just so much time, have so many connections to the park system, um, you know, for my kids doing some lessons, top times, birthday parties, um, to, you know, then they worked with lifeguards um, just all the time, uh, kind of our regular outings to Hickory Hill and the Sycamore Greenway and Terry Trueblood and just, uh, big uh, proponent of the outdoors, the bike trails especially is something I'm passionate about. Um, and I actually have a little bit of a background in outdoor education as well. I teach some um, lifetime leader skill classes through the University of Iowa, like backpacking and, and things like that. So this will be my first um, kind of foray into serving on a public board. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. It seems like a good way to kind of connect to the community. Good. Okay. Typically at a meeting we have the staff members that you see here are the ones that are, are usually here, so we'll take a minute to introduce ourselves. Um, first of all, I'm Julie Seidel Johnson. I'm the Parks and Recreation Director. Um, I do the overall department vision, the overall a lot of the capital improvement projects, the council information, the, uh, that kind of thing is a big part of what I do. I've been here six years. Um, had previously been up in Minnesota for 10 years, but I'm an Iowa native, so you know, just really glad to be home. Uh, two grown kids, one very cute puppy now at home, and 
they live on the far east side of Iowa City. So thanks again to everyone for being part of it. Come in, Tammy introduce yourself next. Um, I am Tammy Newman, and I'm the Administrative Secretary for the Parks and Rec Department. Um, I also, as part of that position, manage the Iowa City Farmers Market. Um, let's see, I don't live in Iowa City. I live in Havana. Um, I worked for the city for 23 years. Um, I worked in planning for a couple years and then came over to Parks and Rec in 2000. Uh, what else can I tell you? I have three grown children, but I actually have five grown children. I have two stepsons and three daughters and then um, three wonderful grandchildren. So, we love going outside into the parks and all that. I'm Tyler Barrett. I'm the superintendent of Parks and Forestry. Um, so anything Parks and Forestry, we've got obviously forestry, we've got parks maintenance, we've got athletic fields uh, um, maintenance, um, we have natural areas, and we have horticulture within that uh, group. So um, pretty wide-ranging all over town as we have all the right-of-way trees, uh, um, plus we have all the park spaces to look after. Um, Let's see a little bit more about myself. Uh, I'm married, uh, have uh, a cat, no kids, but uh, uh, she thinks she's a child sometimes. So um, uh, I grew up in Eastern Iowa, um, went out west for a little while, um, made my way back here because uh, I love Iowa and this part of the state. And uh, anything and everything to do with the outdoors, I have a background in. Uh, uh, landscape architecture, as well as kind of the social science side of uh, recreation resource management. So that's kind of where I come from. Hello everyone, my name is Brad Barker. I'm the recreation superintendent here. I've been with the department for three years, a little over three years. And I oversee all of our recreation division operations. So that includes all of our aquatics programs, our sports programs, both adult and youth, uh, cultural, social programs, special events, um, our communications um, that we have within the department, uh, inclusive and adaptive recreation and our outreach programs as well. So, and everything that kind of falls under that, along with uh, recreation center operations and aquatic uh, facility operations. I um, was the director of the Vinton Parks and Recreation Department prior to moving here, um, which is about a town uh, about an hour north of here, if you're not familiar with where that's at smaller community, 5,500 people or so. Um, but I live in North Liberty now, love it here, and it's been a, it's been a great transition for me. I, have, um, I live with my girlfriend, um, and I have a daughter who is almost 12, and I've got three dogs, so they, they all keep me very busy. Great, so I passed out to give you a copy of our organizational chart, just so you can kind of see the scope of our department. Uh, we have 48 and a half full-time employees within our department right now. Um, the two divisions that you don't have division managers from tonight here are the cemetery division, Oakland Cemetery, West Buffington. And then we also take care of government, what's called government buildings, which is building maintenance, pool maintenance, uh, capital projects having to do with everything from fire stations, police stations. They help us build what's called a catio at the Animal Services Center. So. Uh, they do a lot of building, that's Toomey Morris. And so I, I gave you a list so you can see kind of where the where each department is. This is our full-time staff. Uh, an interesting statistic from earlier this week though is we have almost an equal number of work hours provided by part-time staff and temp staff. So 96,000 hours a year 
provided by temp staff as well. So that's the lifeguards, the building attendants, the park staff, the forestry staff, everyone um, that works for us temporarily or, or less than 20 hours a week. Um, so it's, it's a large, diverse department. You don't have to memorize or org chart or anything. All you need to remember mostly is myself and Tammy up here. <laughs> so if you have- Sorry guys. Yeah, sorry guys, you're important too. But <laughs> we're wallflowers guys. <laughs> you're important too. But for commission members, one of the things of orientation if you have any questions or concerns or just wonder about something, if your neighbor comes up to you and says, hey, I saw the parks crew down the street doing something, what were they doing? Send me an email, give me a call. If you can't reach me for some reason, Tammy is your other contact. Um, we're very particular about open meeting laws and communications, so I'd like you to keep it through one of the two of us. And then very often I will turn you over to Tyler or Brad that has to do with Things within their division but that's one thing to remember it's kind of a one-stop shop and please don't hesitate to reach out to me I'd rather have you get the information and know the correct answer before any other kind of rumor or something happens out there um, and sometimes we have to do a little research when we get some of the questions because it's actually not our department that's out taking down the trees or, or doing some other things but let us know, and that's one of the more important roles of you as a, as a Citizens Park Commission, is to be our eyes and ears out there to your neighbors, to your, your kids, friends, parents, to your churches, to anything else you're um, interacting with throughout the community. Help us out with that. Um, on the Thursday before each meeting, in the, you'll get an email with your packet. We typically don't print them for you. A lot of times people bring in uh, laptops or, or tablets. Um, but if you'd like us to print one for you, just let us know ahead of time and we can have a, a copy of it for you. It's also available to the public on the website. But you'll get this. It'll have the agenda. It'll have some background information, the minutes, kind of those basic things. It has a list of your other, of all the commission members here. Important though, don't start your email to everyone else unless well there's really no one less there um, say you say i went to a conference and i heard about this great new tree planting program i want the commission to know send it to me and ask me and send it out to the rest of the commission don't just send it to everyone it's okay for you to talk individually with other commission members and up to groups of three but just i would advise don't talk about anything that might become an agenda item we are a public open meeting group so everything we discuss should be uh, open to the public to hear us in the packet this time you also have a list of all the meeting dates and generally we are here in the meeting in this meeting room um, about once a year we'll, we'll get on a bus and go around and do a park tour Sometimes we don't have enough agenda items to call a meeting. I know you love Parks Commission, but I don't want to take your time if we don't have enough items for it. So occasionally a meeting will get canceled. Um, that would also be the case if we don't have quorum. So right now we need to have five members present to have a quorum. So it's very important if you know you're not going to be at a meeting to let Tammy or myself know that you won't be here. Um, even if it's up to half an hour ahead of time, give us a call and let us know because that can really, we cannot have a meeting at all if we don't have a quorum for the meeting. So, um, 
we are on video, as you see. These are not live meetings, but the video recording is available to the public afterwards, so just remember that. We want you to have an open and free conversation. Uh, but it used to be we could say, whoops, I didn't really say that. Well, it's now on camera, so everything is recorded. Remember that. Not that we ever said anything that was you know, inappropriate or anything, but um, you could rephrase things and, and say it. But now it's on camera. Casual dress, everyone's dressed just fine. We, we put out chairs for the public, as you can see. Occasionally, we will have members of the public want to come in and either speak about things that are on the agenda or have questions or have concerns. Um, for instance, if we're doing like a clearing of a creek, a brush, we, would, we typically get some of the neighbors in that would like to have more information or voice concerns about it. If we have members of the public and they speak during the part of the agenda called um, public discussion of items not on the agenda, it, what it is is actually their comments. So the commission is asked not to engage in a back and forth with the, with the members of the public at that time. We will take their concerns, we'll jot, jot down notes. If they have questions, once they're done, if it's questions that staff can answer fairly easily, we will go ahead and do that. But since those items are not on the agenda, the commission as a whole can't have the discussion until the following month when it's placed on an agenda. So um, remember that. If there's items, if we're doing like a park development review, we'll very often have neighborhood members come in and either voice support or have questions. In those cases, same thing. We, we do sometimes engage in some back and forth to answer questions as we go. But really, we want the discussion to happen between the commission members who take input from the public and then have the, the discussion amongst the commission members. That's kind of hard to do sometimes, but I'll try to guide you through those when that happens. You can do that. Um, if you have an item that you're interested in or you wonder or you want the commission to take on and talk about, at the end of each agenda, there's time for commission comments. And that's a great time for you to bring that up and say, hey, I'd really like you to talk about the Butler House, um, just for instance. Which <laughs> I won't bring up. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, and then what we will do is we'll either have it on a future agenda or we'll you know, do the staff reports and some other things behind the scenes. If you have something between meetings that you would like to have brought up on the agenda, give myself an email. And when we get a new chair, you can email the new chair. And then the chair and I discuss what the agenda items will be for the next meeting. And then we can get it on the agenda that way. So, and we try to, for agenda items, give you background information or if there's other city departments or commissions involved, we'll give you as much information as we can about that before that. So, um, I think I about covered that. Some of the typical items that you'll discuss and, and cover as Parks and Rec Commission. Tonight you have fees and charges, which Brad's going to lead you through. So we every year we set fees and charges for our programs and facilities. Um, we review our capital budgets, so I'll go through those with you tonight as well. When there are park renovations, typically you will see the renovation plans after the neighborhood meetings are held. So we'll go out have neighborhood meetings, gather that input, work with our um, consultants and our engineering staff to develop plans. 
then the, we will bring that back to the commission for your comments and or recommendation to the council for approval. You're, you're a recommending commission, so any action you take would be a recommendation to council. So tonight when we go through fees and charges, if you like what you see and you want to say, your motion would be to recommend these fees and charges for approval to the council, or recommend with the changes, or not recommend those kind of things. Um, occasionally, you get to name a park, and that's always a fun process. Um, you may have one in the next year or so. Uh, we are getting land in the Palisades subdivision, and if you were on the parks tour last summer, or last summer we went and looked at it. The problem is with Palisades State Park, we can't have a park called Palisades park in Iowa City or it would be very confusing. So we'll be going through some sort of public input and a naming process for that park. Uh, maybe a second one too if we do the one in Stonebridge Estates too. So you may have some options for that. Um, the other huge project that's going on right now and Missy's been a part of it is our recreation program and facilities master plan. And I believe Brad's going to give you an update on that in a little while. We have uh, been out in the public in multiple locations over the last few months gathering input from people about the future of our rec centers, the future of the aquatics facilities, the future of rec programming, um, and you'll be getting some feedback or getting that kind of brought back together and some recommendations to consider in the coming months. So more to come on that, but that's probably the largest project we have between now and July of this year is to get that completed. Um, you also get a lot of reports, staff reports from Tyler, Brad, and myself, and Tammy on Farmer's Market, just so you're in the know a little bit more about what's happening in Parks and Rec, so that you can help us spread the word um, and ask questions or you know, kind of be that conduit again to the neighbors. Not a huge time commitment on your part. Typically our meetings are one, maybe two hours occasionally. Um, and I looking at other commission members, not, not a lot in between really. Some sometimes a, a small committee meeting, but that's about it. And we do like I said appreciate that all you that you're doing this. Any questions from new or returning commission members? Are there ever like volunteer opportunities that we hear about at these meetings as well? Yes. Generally, when it gets closer to the summer, uh, we have things, especially if we're doing ribbon cuttings or we're doing uh, events out in the parks, for sure. We'll get to that. Okay, so with that, I'm going to take you back to the agenda. And your first item is to elect officers. And we have two positions that you elect as a commission, uh, the chair and the vice chair. And it's done through a process of Someone will make a motion to nominate someone else. We'll see if there's any other nominations. Ask the persons that are nominated if they're willing. If they are, then you take a vote on it, and then we move on. It's usually really, really highly contested. So it only takes like three days, with like filibustering and all that kind of stuff going on. Just kidding. So, um, and since we don't have a, a current chair, Maybe we just start by, are there, is there a volunteer or? I would like to nominate Alex. Are you inclined? I'm happy to serve. Okay. <laughs> are there any other uh, nominations? Okay, hearing none, uh, 
Those that are in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Those opposed, same sign. Congratulations. Alex, you are the chair, and I'll let you take over leading the meeting. Do we need to elect a vice chair? Yeah, no, you ask for nominations for a vice chair. Are there nominations for vice chair at this point? participants in our programs and those that reserve our shelters and rent our um, facilities, gathering spaces, uh, cemeteries, lots, pretty much everything that we have a fee for, that's in this, this guide here. And so some of these fees are ranges, some of them are sets, very specific. Um, and then every year we, we look at those fees and assess, are these representative of um, kind of a lot of the fees that we have or costs going into the cost of running the program and are they reasonable rates to charge the public and so um, traditionally we've we've gone every other year with a fee increase and then we look at like a three to five percent uh, fee increase um, and that's what we are proposing this year we did not have a fee increase last year uh, we did have a, a three to five percent increase the year prior to that uh, generally what we look for when you when you're looking at the percentages there so on the far right um, you see the FY23 proposed fees for both the Recreation Division, Parks, and Cemetery. And then the percentages show, if there's a range there, it shows on both sides what that fee increase uh, would be uh, in relation to what the fee was previously. Um, if you're seeing some strange percentages there, it's because we try to round the numbers off to whole dollar amounts. Uh, it's just a lot easier when we're collecting the fees from the public for it to not have the, the nickels and dimes and pennies and all that stuff. So um, we didn't have any, any fees, fee increases that were significantly larger that couldn't be um, easily explained. One thing to consider too when you're looking at these fees over the last three years, 
the city's been very um, progressive with raising the minimum wage of our of our staff that we have as hourly employees. So um, I, I believe a few years ago it was 10.50 an hour, and as of July 1st of this last year, we're now at $15 an hour. Um, so we have had some some fee increases or some some rate increases for what we pay staff uh, to go along over that time frame. So I wanted to see if you had any questions or concerns with uh, the fee schedule as proposed. Uh, I think for the, the group rentals, you switch to like hourly rate. Yes. And so, do you think that'll generate more revenue, or, or just be I, more? I, I think I think it may generate about the same amount of, of revenue, but it will just provide um, more options for people to come in and have a party. Usually, people will rent a uh, room for two two hours, but they don't necessarily always need it in a three hour block. Provides more flexibility if they're wanting a longer period of time as well. Because no, when oh I'm sorry because when people would rent that too they would rent it and it would have to be in a three hour block and so even if they weren't using it for that space we would have the facility booked up for times when it might just sit vacant so it wasn't really a great uh, service to the public also so that was one of the considerations there. Um, can you remind us the fees for the recreation programs do those support? Like, do they cover the costs, or is that kind of subsidized? Gen generally, they do not. It's not full cost recovery for most of the programs that we operate. They, they, are, they are subsidized um, quite heavily through the city. And so it, it really is more of a, uh, a fee that covers the basics for that, but doesn't cover the full, the full cost. The percentage is about 35, or 35 to 40% of the total program cost is overall covered by yeah, the fees. That's, yeah, that's really kind of what we shoot for when we are setting those fees. So those fees that you see for those programs, that has more of a range for us to work within. Um, whereas like room rental rates and things of that sort is a set fee. Thank you. Yeah. Are there different types of uh, other scholarships for those that might yes. not be able to afford great, some of these? Great question. So um, we do have a scholarship program um, through the city. It, it used to be uh, called the Low Income Discount Program, which we rebranded this last year to Rec Assist. Uh, Rec Assist. Um, and we, we felt that that was less stigmatizing. Uh, folks used to have to come into the recreation center to enroll in that every single time that they would sign up for a program under the new Rec Assist program, um, which is the same thing essentially. They sign up once per calendar year, and then we keep a debt, we keep their information on a database that our customer service has access to, um, and then we can apply that fee for any program or pass that they register for, and if eligible. Um, it's based on income eligibility or government assistance programs that they may be enrolled in, and it takes 50% off of the enrollment fee. So it is a, a great savings for them. And then we also do have for swim lessons, and we're looking to maybe expand that into some other opportunities as well that align with our, um, our initiatives for getting kids involved with outdoor activities and biking and STEAM programs. Um, but right now with swim lessons, we do have a separate fund through our foundation that allows for the other 50% to be subsidized so that we can offer free swim lessons. So 
Any looking for a recommendation to accept these fee increase as proposed? Yep. I move to recommend to the council for the increase in the fees. I second it. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Any yeah. opposed? Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yes. Okay, so my uh, my report this week has been our budget hearing week with the city council. In fact, that's where I came from right before this meeting. Um, Saturday morning we had we had meetings with the city council where we talked about our operating budgets. We have an operating budget and we have a capital improvements budget that we oversee. Our operating budget is about twelve million dollars for a department. We talked about that on. Um, Saturday, not a lot of questions from the council, which was, I think, good. The city as a whole, the city government as a whole, is, is facing a couple lean years, you know, because um, rollback from the state is not being funded. Uh, rental properties are being taxed differently than they have been in the past. There's some other things happening more from the state level that are definitely having an impact on city government budgets. Um, the other thing is that for one of the first times in over a decade, you've had very little growth in housing and new development. And that's probably pandemic related at the same time. But cities usually rely on that extra growth to have more tax, more tax base to tax. So the good news is, is that Iowa City in general has been very conservative with our budgeting and our, our financing through the years. So We've got some flexibility at this point, and we are certainly not in danger of losing any staff or anything like that. At the same time, that also means that uh, we only saw you know, very small increases in any kind of expenses that we have. Um, as a staff, I don't, I don't think overall we're really very concerned about it at this point. Um, we will be having to watch our resources and, and be more efficient. So some of the things we look at is, for instance, Farmer's Market is one, one um, program that we're looking at. Wednesday night Farmer's Markets have been um, declining as far as people shopping and people vending. And in order to be efficient, we may not be able to offer that this coming season. We may just focus on Saturday markets. Um, we've put a request out to vendors to get their registration and decided if we don't get a certain number, we just won't be able to do that any longer. And so, as a whole, we'll be making decisions on that. We want our service level to be high, but we also want to be smart about how we're doing that. Um, some of the other things we've done that will really help us is the conversion of a lot of our road turf areas into the prairie grasses. Um, Tyler and his staff have become really good at maintaining those and getting them to grow and so in a few years we're going to be seeing the benefit of that not only the ecological benefits of having the prairie but then less hours on the mowing and less resources going mowing and that sort of thing so operating budget in general i think as, as the public you won't notice very many changes in any of our service levels or anything like that as a staff you know there's some equipment that we really would have liked to have had a few more different trucks and a uh, grapple truck for the forestry division. Those kind of big ticket purchase items didn't make it through budget this year, but um, we'll be okay. Then on the capital improvement budget, I gave you the sheet here that has all of the listed capital improvement projects. These are going very strong. In general, the projects um, under Parks and Recreation and the Park site are following the plans of the 2016 Park Master Plan. 
uh, new members, if you'd like a printed copy of that, I can get it for you. It's also on the website, so you can look at it. But we have followed that to the point that we've got about 15 or 20 projects left to go from the list we started with six years ago. So that's pretty exciting that we're, we're making so much progress. Um, and to that end, the, the park projects that you'll see this coming year, and we've had the neighborhood meetings this past summer and fall, Court Hill Park, new playground, new uh, shelter, Chattic Green, we get a shelter, a small playground, accessibility paths, and some garden um, improvements there. Whispering Meadows, the wetland improvement restoration has, has largely taken place, or at least gotten started last fall. There's been improvements to the trail and the bridge in that park. And then this coming spring, we'll get a new playground uh, off Indigo, Indigo Court entrance for that park. Um, splash pads is one we haven't talked a lot about with the commission, but both our Fair Meadows and Whispering, or not Whispering, <laughs> Weatherby Park splash pads We'll be getting new above ground equipment this spring. We have some CDBG funding that needs to be spent um, and they're eligible projects for that. So both of those will get essentially huge facelifts. So everything underneath the ground, all the pump and all that stays the same, but the equipment up above will get replaced with new equipment. And the, the biggest benefit is it's gonna cut our water usage by at least half, if not by uh, even more because the equipment, especially at Weatherby, is about 20 years old, and the technology for play equipment and for splash pads, believe it or not, has changed that much so that um, it doesn't use nearly the amount of water that it would use. So we're excited about that. Projects that are in progress that we've talked about, just so you know, uh, the Penn Mall Playground is in, it is in, it has been ordered. Um, and it will be replaced towards the end of May, it looks like. We're having um, supplier delays because of the pandemic on pretty much everything we're ordering, but playgrounds and park shelters especially. So that project is somewhat delayed because of that, but the equipment is on order. It's in the production run at the playground manufacturer. Same thing, Glendale Park, the concrete and grading work was done last construction season. It's waiting for its playground and its shelter, and they should be here within a couple months or so, we hope. But the installation will happen in the spring. The rest of the projects coming up in future years, you'll find them in the capital improvement plan. Uh, <coughs> neighborhood meetings next summer will be Kiwanis Park, uh, Hunter's Run. I think those are the two main park renovations that will happen in 2023. So we'll have uh, neighborhood meetings for those. And then tree plantings, are you gonna cover? Yeah, okay, I'll let Tyler cover that when he gets to his report. That's another big thing we've done through capital projects. So lots happening. Um, very lucky to have a very supportive council right now for all things parks and recreation. It fits in with the city's strategic goals in climate action from what we're doing both with building maintenance and, and things out in the parks. Um, livable communities. We provide engagement opportunities throughout all the community, through all the different neighborhoods. Um, engagement of the public in general through events and facilities and those kind of things. And I forget the other ones off the top of my head, but it's all good. So. All right, so that's the end of my report. Appreciate that.
Brad, I think, is next. Okay. Me again. <laughs> um, have a couple updates to provide everybody. First off, as Julie alluded to earlier, we are in the midst of a recreation master plan uh, and facilities master plan project um, that we uh, began working with. Barry Dunn is the name of the consultants that we're working with, and they have a strong background in parks and recreation and municipal government. Um, so that was one of the reasons why we hired them on, is they had done a lot of master planning for uh, parks and recreation divisions in the past, and they, a lot of their team has experience and has worked in the municipal parks and recreation field before. Um, so we started working with them, really getting things underway this last fall, and um, we went out to the community to collect data through a variety of different methods. And so in the fall, we were doing a lot of in-person events, encouraging people to come out to the events that we had. We were trying different locations too. Like we set up shop over at the library and some other locations to gather in-person feedback. We also had a, a website that was set up called Social Pinpoint. And uh, we invited the public to go to this website to provide their input on a variety of different topics for the, the uh, recreation side of things and what they want to see. Uh, we had focus groups. We had a statistically valid survey that went out to the public. Uh, we received word um, last week that they have achieved the number of survey uh, results that they were needing for that to be statistically valid. And so now we're going to be able to put that survey out to the public for everyone else to be able to answer those questions so we can get an additional feedback that way. So right now, so that, that was really kind of like a three, four month process in the fall of that data collection, trying to find different ways that we can engage with the public. Um, we really were trying to be mindful of um, not only reaching the people that use our programs and use our facilities on a regular basis, but trying to find ways to engage with the public um, to those trying to reach those that don't necessarily utilize our programs and, and events and facilities and figure out why don't they do that. What can we do to make them feel more welcome here in our community and in our facilities? Um, and so right now we're kind of in that period where the data has been collected and it's been processed. All that data has been, um, it's over at our consultants right now, so they're doing a lot of analysis. Um, we're starting to get back some of the reports. There were some facility assessments with that project as well. So we had some engineers and um, come in and look at ADA accessibility, longevity of the structures that we have here for our facilities, um, and kind of start to look at what is the long-term goal for that. What we're trying to achieve with this plan is really kind of a roadmap for the next 10 years with what we're going to do with recreation and how we can better meet the needs of the community. And so with that, we have some aging facilities uh, that we need to look at. For example, our biggest one is City Park Pool, which is 72 years old. Um, it's losing a lot of water up there. And so we have to figure out what we want to do for the future of that. So that's one of the many questions that we're asking the public. And so with the facilities and the programs and trying to find a direction for that, the consultants have that data right now. Um, Missy's actually part of our, our steering committee, so she's been involved with some of those meetings to look at these reports and, and kind of the give and take. They'll give us some data, we'll look at that, provide suggestions, they'll bring it back, and it kind of works through, through that method. Um, and then in March, we'll probably have a product or some questions that we will be approaching the public with for a second round of public engagement. 
um, that they can provide some additional feedback. So we'll really be kind of looking at where there may be some blind spots with some information that we didn't get or was there information that we got not quite robust enough for us to make a solid decision on. So that's what that second round will be for. And then in the summer, I believe is when our, our final report will be uh, available to the public, but there will even be some public input sessions on before it even gets to that point. So that's kind of our project. Um, so like I said, right now we're kind of in that low phase where the data is being analyzed and, and we'll be able to probably provide an additional update on what that looks like at the next commission meeting that we have next month. So do you have any questions about that? I know some of you have been hearing me talk about this for a while, but I wanted to provide an update for those that are new to our commission. So does anyone have any questions about where we're at with that right now? So you mentioned a survey going back out to the public? Yes, so the survey that- the timing of that. Yep, so the survey that we used um, as part of that statistically valid survey, um, so it went out to select, select households. Uh, first time around and so we could not really release that to the public until they got their 400 results is what we were striving for. Um, they have now gotten that and so we'll be putting out a, a press release to the public here probably in the next week or so um, with the link to the to the site where they can where they can take that that survey. We'll also try to print off some surveys um, so that we can have them available in our facilities too so that people can take that point of contact. And how long will that survey then be open, or is there a certain number that um, going I, after? I think we were looking at, I think they were saying probably about three weeks or so is what we could probably do, but then they'd have to collect that data so then they can process that information. Any other questions on that? Okay. And then uh, wanted to share some good news. The dehumidification project that we've been talking about over at Mercer has been going on for quite some time. Uh, it seems like a few months that we've had that pool closed. Um, the, the air quality was really poor in there, and so we had this uh, dehumidification system installed, and so the air quality will be um, a lot better in there moving forward. We are going to be opening that facility back open to the public on Monday of next week. So we're excited to kind of get back to, back to normal operations out there. It's been kind of quiet out there for a while. It's great news. Any questions on anything? Any other comments, concerns? Okay, thank you. Tyler. I'll keep my list here in case I forget anything because uh, even though it's winter, um, we've had quite a few projects uh, um, taking place. Uh, we took advantage of the, the warmer weather uh, going into the fall for sure. Um, but since we've had snow, um, staff devotes quite a bit of time each snow um, to snow removal. Um, we remove snow not only in parks but on the trail system around downtown. Um, some other departments do some of that as well, but um, but we have a substantial amount. Um, last year we um, increased our number of uh, mostly trail miles um, that we uh, um, plowed to provide more outdoor recreation opportunities with the ongoing pandemic. Um, we've kept those uh, those seven and a half extra miles that we started flying last year. We've actually expanded that just a little, maybe a quarter of a mile more even this year. So um, uh, we really haven't uh, had too many snows, but uh, um, I think we've we've been providing a pretty high level of service. Haven't had too many complaints at all um, this year, which is always a good good way to gauge that. Um, 
Uh, it's always a challenge when it snows on the weekend. Um, we don't have very many staff that are scheduled on weekends, so that's a scramble for us. So people do tend to volunteer to come in, a certain number of people, but um, it's always a challenge. So if we get snow, <laughs> let's all, uh, um, I guess, hope it's on a weekday. Um, it makes my life a lot easier. Um, but uh, that's been going uh, going pretty well. Now that it is colder, we're getting an ice uh, layer. We're in the process of getting the ice skating up and running for City Park. Um, there's kind of a whole science and process to that. Um, so we've been getting a few questions of when that will be open. Um, I didn't confirm with staff this afternoon, but I know they've been working on it. Some of it involves reflooding the top surface to get a skatable surface. So. Um, we're working to try to get that, that ready and then of course it'll, it'll snow this weekend and it'll impact it again, but, um, uh, but we're working on that. Um, uh, Julie mentioned we did a little bit of trail work over at Whispering Meadows, so that was a good thing before the snow really started to fly that, that we accomplished. Um, trees, uh, a lot of stuff going on with trees, so um, the contracted uh, capital improvements money planting from last year it was a whole lot of trees um, 700 range if I remember right those uh, did not all get planted um, the contractor still has a few left to finish up um, they did take advantage of the weather as well this uh, fall and really into December and got quite a few more planted on Scott Boulevard so if you drive down Scott Boulevard a decent number of the ones between Highway 6 and Rochester are planted. Um, they have everything to the north of that yet, but uh, um, once they got going, they really got going with them. So um, those, are, uh, those are in process, and we're planning for the next tree plantings. So using a combination of fundings, uh, mostly another capital improvements, about 100,000 is what we um, have for next year. Um, and planting, a substantial number in the, the South District. Um, I think a couple of you at least live in the area. I think you both have uh, trees in your yard, so your right away probably won't have them, but other neighbors in your neighborhood will. Um, so mostly, if you know the South um, side well, um, Langenberg, which is just off of uh, McAllister, is the new connection there, but just one to the north, and then the uh, um, Russell is the, the um, north-south road, um, so in all the spurs off of those, kind of up to almost to Burns, um, which is kind of the Weatherby Park neighborhood. Um, we will be having the largest number going in there, but we have a smaller planting. Uh, we're planning for um, kind of our border with Coralville on the, uh, the northwest side and uh, on the north side as well, going out Prairie to Sheen. Um, just some infill type plantings. And then we'll have all the other infill plantings we've, we've typically had around town trying to catch up from the Dre Show and, and EAV and everything else that's ongoing with that. Um, so that's kind of trees to be planted. Um, we are in the process of doing some prairie um, establishment, uh, removing some uh, uh, non-native, uh, non-desirable trees in a few spots. Uh, um, that are either going to be prairie or um, wetland in the case of Whispering Meadows. So um, we've had a few questions lately. Why so many trees come down in an area at once? Well, first off, winter is the time to do that. Ground conditions for one thing. Um, if it's uh, backed habitat, we're 
federally required to do a, a large scale removals at certain times of the year. Um, so you do see a lot more of those in the winter. Um, if you have any neighbors or people asking you about things, uh, that's winter's typically the time. Some of that's uh, uh, with our REAP um, grants that we have going. Um, so we have one of those currently in progress at Terry Trueblood Recreation Area in the Bottomlands area and one at Whispering Meadows um, Wetland. And then the one for next year we're planning for right now is at uh, um, uh, Ryerson's Woods. Um, so that represents almost $500,000 in grants in the last three years. Um, so uh, REAP's been a good, uh, good funding source for us. Um, and I had the opportunity last weekend to go to the REAP Congress, um, which was uh, in Des Moines. Um, so what we did as a body was recommend pretty much to uh, the state legislature to keep it going. You know, it's a good project or it's a good funding source, not just for us, but for other cities, counties, the state and everything. So a lot of good things you see around town have um, been possible of that. That's pretty much our main things. We're finishing up a project at City Park as well as baseball um, with the, uh, the fence project there. And we'll be doing a few other small improvements there to finish off that project and kind of um, create a, a sense of place for that space as well. Um, any questions on any of that for me? I guess one question as well, as far as the Roots for Trees program, so it might be good for some of the new commission members to know a bit more about that, if you can maybe just give a brief update. Yep. No, that's, that's a good question. And uh, Brad and Rex staff have helped us with that as well. Um, so they've been doing the hard work of getting the uh, vouchers and stuff out. Um, but uh, this came about even before the ratio, um, uh, working with the sustainability office um, to provide a way to plant trees, not just in the right of way, um, but uh, in people's yards. Um, it's a way to the city will put in a cost share um, for a tree um, for individuals looking for those. They can go in the right of way, but a lot of them have went into uh, um, private yards, um, which helps us out a lot. A lot of right of ways aren't as suited to trees in a lot of neighborhoods. So it helps us get trees there as well. Um, it's 50% uh, uh, um, up to $125 that the voucher is for. Um, that can be found on, on our website, Root for Trees. Um, and that will be transitioning more over to the sustainability office uh, here pretty soon. Um, they'll kind of be taking on the leadership of that. Um, but we'll still provide recommendations and things like that. And the one change for this year um, that we added uh, maples and uh, pear trees, specifically uh, ones we're looking not that planted are the uh, um, uh, the invasive, you know, uh, non-native pear species that, that can go that some people have been planting um, for years now. But um, uh, those are the two changes. Other than that, our pilot program we started last year was a success, so we've continued that as well. It's a good question. Chris. Does the parks in the place to bring up the Butler Montgomery, Montgomery Butler House? Sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right, so you know what I want to know. And for the benefit of the new people, I'll give my shit. At our September meeting, we were going over the capital improvement plan, all, essentially like all the things that we're going to have in the parks uh, budget that are like capital projects. One of them is this house. Well, the house is probably too generous. It's like old kind of falling down building called the Montgomery Butler House. 
It is in Waterworks Prairie Park, which is not actually a park. It's just the area around the Water Treatment Center. It's not accessible to anyone. It's, it has some historical significance, although it's not on the historic registry. And Julie noted at the time uh, that there's been some, it's been breached many times over the years. It's got lots of graffiti in it, so the parks department has tried various ways to try and seal it up and keep it safe, but it's not like a blight or a nuisance or a haven for you know, activity that we would not want it. And so my question at that September meeting was how recent, and you had mentioned that a roof, a new roof needed to be put on this building. So I wanted to know when the roof was put on and if the park's budget paid for that. Uh, and so I think we've had a little trouble getting that info, but we do not have it today. <laughs> I don't believe it was parks, and that's part of why we have the difficulty tracking it down. So where the where it stands right now with the Montgomery Butler House is the Historic Preservation Commission had asked the council to add it to a work session and or to add it to their work plan several months ago. The council has not taken it up as a as a topic. And so it just sits until there is some council action back to us or to the Historic Preservation Commission. So, so you may remember at the end of 2021, I guess it was our last real meeting, which was November. Yeah. Yeah. You, someone, maybe Tammy put me in touch with, or Kevin reached out. Kevin Brewer, who's the chair of the Iowa City Historic Preservation Commission, reached out. I think he liked to read our minutes and saw that we talked about this. And I went and had coffee with him. And he said he was going to do this. He didn't. He didn't sound like the Historic Reservation Commission had like super strong feelings about the Montgomery Butler House, but they were going to ask the council for some direction. So, so that happened. And, and they have done that through a memo or a letter to the council. The council has not responded yet. So, so one thing that he asked me to bring back to the group, uh, I guess it's like strength in numbers, is if we would also ask the council to take it up. So under the theory that like two of the Bottle Parks and Rec Commission and the Historic Preservation Commission would be asking for some guidance on what to do about this building that's maybe in a park, maybe it sounds like it may not actually be one of our items. It was on our list. So maybe we don't care as much about it if it's not something that we have to maintain or spend here to come off our budget. I think that's sort of the supposition we're operating on up until this point. But anyway, I'm just passing along. So it, it is not included in any, anywhere in the operating budget or the capital improvement budget at this point for the next five years. So unless the commission would like that, once again, we can say, do you want it as an agenda item next month to discuss? Which there had been some discussion ahead of, you know, at prior, a few prior meetings. Um, I would suggest you wait until the council gives some indication of their willingness to, to talk about it or consider it. Um, we've kind of been asked to be in a holding pattern until that time. So. Other discussion on this topic? I feel less strong about it if, if, if we are not responding. My concern was the parks budget was being used to maintain this building that really wasn't serving any sort of public function, and in fact, maybe quite the opposite. But if you say that's actually not, it turns out, something that we're responsible for. I still don't know who paid for the roof several years ago, but 
we have not done anything else since then. Appreciable, maybe mowing the area, and that's about it. Yeah, we don't even do all the mowing out there. Water does a substantial amount of mowing in the park. So, yeah. Who's who's building? Who is it? <laughs> Sorry, I got to laugh. that. That's part of the question. Is that so? The, it is a structure that was there when the water when the water utility for the water department purchased the land for the water treatment plant. So this would have been back in the late nineties. Um, at that time, a study was done to assess its historic relevance. Um, at one point it was lived in by people that were running a um, ferry. ferry on the river below it. Um, it had been rented out at different times and it had some other uses over the years, but since the time of the water treatment plant was built, I hope I'm getting this all right, it has essentially been abandoned and um, boarded up so that can't get in and it hasn't been used. So from time to time there's been discussions about what it could be or what it should be. Last fall when a group of staff members from Neighborhood Services, Parks and Recreation, Public Works went out and toured it and looked at it, our recommendation to staff was we don't see any particularly good use that would not take a lot of money to, it's not a good location first of all. So it is a structure sitting out there waiting for some sort of answer. It's not on the historic registry. Um, so it's kind of been in limbo for decades. I don't know. So, yeah. And I think it will stay that way for right now. <laughs> Appreciate the reports. So for Chair's report, just wanted to extend a warm welcome to the new commission members. We're grateful to have you on the commission here. Besides that, no other items for me at this time. So if we could maybe go around, if there are any items. Um, one thing that's kind of been, I've seen conversations bubbling up here and there about uh, the use of like motorized or electric assist vehicles on trails and like wide sidewalks. Do we have any regulations or any considerations to create regulations for like speed, maximum speeds, or usage of those faster moving vehicles along yeah. the pedestrians? Great question. I we have there's some ordinances that might apply, but that's something if you'd like we could look at and get back to you and get a better answer for you. Yeah, I feel like there's more more conflicts yeah. pending if we don't get. Yeah, like a baseline level of what's acceptable and what's not. Good. Okay. That's it. Thanks. Is this Thomas? Chris? Michelle? I'm excited to be here. All right. Is there a motion to adjourn? I'll move to adjourn. Anyone second? Second. All right. All in favor of adjourning? All right. All right, thank you.